Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good. Good to see you guys. Um, hey, I also want to um, recognize one other uh, prayer request this morning, too. Um, all of our, our few students and leaders in here right now, can you guys stand up real quick? Where are you guys at? All our few students? Yep. Oh, yeah. If you guys look up in the balcony, like all our students are running sound this morning up there as well. So let's hear it for them. Appreciate you guys. They're running our online service. They're doing, Sophia's up there doing my, my, um, my pro presenter stuff. Um, these guys today is uh, the start of teen camp, correct? And so we've got a, a lot of our leaders, Kelly and Chris and Pastor TJ, uh, Pastor Amanda, who's over in children's ministry, I think is counselor as well. Rebecca Darling, who's over in children's ministry, is going to be the camp nurse. And a bunch of these students are going to be going uh, to teen camp through from now through Thursday. So if we can be remembering them and praying for them. I know yesterday was a very busy day loading up golf carts and moon bounces and supplies and all that kind of stuff in the trailer out front. And in a couple hours, you're going to see a bunch of teenagers in this parking lot. Uh, frantically loading up luggage as they get ready to head off to camp. So we want to be praying for them that they have an awesome week and that God is going to be moving in the lives of our students and their leaders this week at teen camp. Um, this week was a pretty cool week. It was fun. I saw a lot of you guys down at the movie theater where we had our, our big uh, prize reveal after the, the superhero Age of Heroes uh, series where we did Thor, Love and Thunder. I'll give you a full review later of my review of Marvel movies. It did not make my top Top 10. I thought it was a little bit strange, a little bit weird, some funny parts in it. But the fun part for me was just hanging out with all of you guys. A lot of the students who, are, who know Marvel movies, a lot of the adults do not know Marvel movies, so they bolted as soon as it was over, and I got socialized with them in the beginning. A lot of the students stayed all the way through the end credits and saw the two end credit scenes, and then I got to hang out with all the students um, and chat with them at the end. So that was a lot of fun. But um, funny story about the movie. So myself and Jason Darwin and our new district superintendent, Dr. Paul McPherson, we're like, we're going to get to the movie theater a half hour early before the movie at 6 o'clock, movie is 6.30, and we're going to stand at the front doors with a clipboard greeting everyone as they go inside and checking their names off. And so we're like, that's pretty good. We got to the theater earlier than we thought. We got there at 5.55, right, Jason? Okay, 5.50, 35 minutes before the movie starts. We walk into the theater. We already see people in line getting popcorn from our church. And I'm like, um, you're here early. Chris Gowron was there. He looks at me. He's like, uh, Pastor, theater's half full. I said, uh, excuse me, come again? He said, no, theater's half full. They're running out of seats already. So I said, all right, we're going to have to go uh, address that because we need to make sure everybody's on the list who's here. So we go in there, no kidding, half the theater was already full of people. So Jason goes through the aisles, checks everybody off. Nobody lied, so that was good. Everybody was actually on the list. And then I made an announcement to everyone, and I said, I don't ever want to see any of you people late to a church service ever again because you are 35 minutes early to a Marvel movie, okay? Amen? So I know you. I remember all of your faces. And I know who's not here this morning, too. I just want to point that out right now. All right. So, um, but for those of you who maybe missed out on that fun movie night because you weren't here at church for that and stuff like that, um, I just want to let you know, I always prep everyone. So those of you watching online right now, pay attention. And for those of you who have family members who are not here today for whatever reason, please let them know so I don't get hateful emails later. Next Sunday, you are going to want to be at church. We are doing a very, very big giveaway to every person who comes to church physically in this building next Sunday. You are not going to want to miss it, okay? And for those of you who didn't get to meet our district superintendent, Paul McPherson, he will be joining us next Sunday at our service. So, again, next Sunday, please be here. Awesome giveaway, fair warning, amen? I am not in trouble if you don't show up. Everybody okay with that? Yes, okay, just wanted to let you know. Well, if this is your first time here or first time back in a while, you picked a great week to come because today we are continuing in our summer series called Blessed. And let me start with a question today. Just show of hands, how many of you guys would like to be more blessed in your life? Can I see a show of hands? Yeah, awesome, look around the room, look around the room. Almost every hand was raised right now, okay? Uh, for those of you who didn't raise a hand, um, 
I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe, you know, someone, someone pooped in your coffee this morning or something like that. You're a little bit upset. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk with you later. But for the rest of us, we would love to be blessed. How many of you would say that you would love to be more spiritually blessed? You would like to have a deeper relationship with God, that that would be something awesome in your life? Awesome, yeah. How many of you would say you'd love to be more relationally blessed in your life? You'd like to have a better marriage. You'd like to have a better relationship with your parents, your kids, or friends in your life, or things like that. A lot of us, yeah. How many of you would say, Pastor, I would love to be more financially blessed and see a little, a couple extra zeros in the bank account? Amen. Praise God. Yes, a lot of you guys. Awesome. Okay. So can we just all agree that most of us would love to see our lives personally, our families' lives, blessed? But when we look at our lives, when we look at our families' lives in the world today, blessed isn't usually the first word that comes to mind for most people. Usually it's words like, we're stressed out, we're tired, life is crazy, we're struggling, the marriage is not what it could be. Raising kids is difficult. Financially, we're living paycheck to paycheck. And family structures are different today in our culture today than, than maybe they've ever been in the past. I mean, today we have more than ever the challenges of things like blended families, which can be a blessing. But when, when you're raising, you know, his kids and her kids and our kids and then their exes involved, life can quickly get complicated. We, we see a record number of single parents today, which can be very, very difficult when you're trying to be the solo person supporting a family on one income and you're carrying the load of trying to provide love and care and discipline and it all falls on one person's shoulders and it can feel overwhelming. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been unpacking this very powerful, powerful teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, where, where he taught what has come to be known as the Beatitudes. And we're going to attempt to apply some of this wisdom of Jesus into our stressed out and crazy family lives. Now, some of you in here this morning, you might say, well, Pastor, um, I'm a few student, okay? I'm in middle school. I'm in high school. Maybe I'm a college student. I'm single, I don't have a family yet. And all I have to say to you is praise God. <laughs> because I, I think this is the best time in life for you to maybe start preparing your heart for the future. Because I would give almost anything to have learned some of the things that I learned later in life and had known those things years and years and years ago when I was a teenager, when I was a student. Because if I had learned those things when I was your age, maybe I wouldn't be the one bringing a lot of the crazy into my family right now, okay? So I believe that what we're talking about in this series really speaks to everyone in the room right now, regardless of your age. And let me just tell you where we're going in this series. Next week, we're going to study when Jesus taught this, when he said, blessed are the pure in heart. And we're going to start to unpack when Jesus talks about this very important part of ourselves, the heart. And then we're going to finish this series two weeks from now, looking at when Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and we're going to see that when we worked to try to make God first in our life and in the life of our family, that we might face persecution that people might say we're weird, that people might say we're strange, that people might start to make fun of us, but we're not going to worry when we're being persecuted because we're following Jesus. It's actually, we need to start worrying when nobody's persecuting us because that should be a red flag in our lives that maybe we're off track. Now, as in a lot of our series, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to be really open and transparent with you guys about my life and about my family. And there are times I'm going to share with you guys things that have worked in our home and things that maybe haven't worked in our home. But I want to tell you guys up front that just because I'm the pastor, that my family is far from perfect. And I need you guys to understand that. I've got five kids, five kids spanning probably every human development stage of life. 
Okay, this past school year, um, Julie and I had a college student, a high school student, a middle school student, an elementary school student, and a preschool student living in our home, okay? And we had a senior as well, okay? So we've had, we've had every stage of life um, in, our, in our home this year. And, and for us, for Julie and me, like if nobody is bleeding and having to be taken to the hospital, we high five and chest bump. That's a good night in the Vias home, all right? And it's, actually, it's always funny to me when we do, um, we always do small group at our house. It's just, it's kind of been a thing that we've done for like 20 years in our home. We especially like doing a small group with married couples. And it's always funny for me when a new couple comes to our house for the first time to be a part of our small group and they see something, you know, crazy uh, going on, you know, in our house. Uh, maybe they, they walk in and they see that, you know, um, the house is a mess or the kids are fighting, or Julie is chasing me with a rolling pin five minutes before small group starts, and they get so excited about it. And they're like, oh, it's like a sigh of relief comes over them. They're like, oh, oh, we're so thankful, Pastor, that your family's not perfect. And I'm like, duh, like I could have told you that, right? Like, like when, when conflict happens in my house, when the kids are misbehaving, like a bright light doesn't fall on me from heaven and I start to pray and my children kneel before me and open up a hymn and start singing, right? And everything just becomes right in the world. Sorry to burst your bubble, but it's not like that at the pastor's house, right? Things at my house can get crazy just like they can at your house. In fact, I've shared this story with you guys before, um, but my youngest daughter, Casty, who's 14 now, uh, but when she was in first grade, uh, she witnessed a really heated argument between Julie and I right before I left for a week-long trip with a group of pastors to Israel. And there's always tension before, you know, uh, one of the spouses leaves the house for a long trip. There's packing to be done and dialogue about the kids and all those things. So Julie and I just, I don't even remember what it was, but we got into conflict about all the things that needed to get done and all these kinds of things um, before I left on this trip to Israel. Oh, and by the way, another thing, next week, another reason why you guys want to come, we're also going to have a very big announcement about our church and an opportunity to go to Israel. So I want to share that with you guys as well. I know we put that... We put that on pause with COVID, but it is back on, and so you'll get more information about that. So I'm going on this trip to Israel, and we get in a fight, and I leave. And the next day, um, my kids go to school, and they, they were going to a, a private Christian school at the time for kindergarten through eighth grade, where my wife worked. And um, my daughter, Cassie, was in first grade, and her first grade teacher, Miss Hancock, at the start of every class, she would ask the first graders if they had any prayer requests. And Cassie's little hand, you know, went up in the air. And she said, yes, Cassie. And Cassie said, will you please pray for mommy and daddy? They were fighting all last night. And this morning, daddy left the country. <laughs> Factually accurate. Okay, I want to point out. Factually accurate. So the school where my wife works as the front office person called her in for a conference while I was gone. And the principal, Ms. Clark, sits her down and slides a box of tissues over to her and told her how sorry they were to hear that we had split up and if they could do anything to support her. And then they proceeded to tell my wife that she was too good for me and they never really liked me much anyway. <laughs> and my wife just nodded her head and thanked them. She milked it for all it was worth, all right? And then she eventually told them it was just a church trip, okay? And later on, to add insult to injury, my daughters number one and two, Liberty and Alexia, Alexi, Liberty who helps out in sound ministry, and Lexi who's on the worship team, they started comforting their little sister, Cassie, who was embarrassed by the whole misunderstanding. And they're like, Cassie, it's okay. You just got to learn that in our family, mom and dad yell at each other all the time. That was their, their advice to their, so Julie and I had to evaluate ourselves after that. So for the record, we're not perfect, far from it, but we are being perfected by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, amen? And so today, we're going to continue to look 
at the Beatitudes here in Matthew 5, picking up in verse 6. And this is what Jesus said. Help me out. He said this. Maybe you could say it with me. We'll throw it up on the screens here. Here is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6. He said, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for, for they will be filled. That's right. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says you, would be, you will be filled. And yet so many families today are not filled with what matters most. But instead, they, they're searching, they're striving, they're looking, they're looking for anything they possibly can that can bring meaning, that can bring fulfillment into their lives. Why is that? Because we're filling our lives with all these things that don't really matter. And so we're not as blessed as we could be. We're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is about making God first in our lives. That's what righteousness, that's what seeking righteousness is. It's about making God first in our mind and in our heart and in the way we live. And so here's the question that I want to ask you today. And this is the challenge that I want to give all you guys today. This is what I want to do. I want to dare you to be really, really, really honest. And I want you to ask yourself this question. In your life, in your family, what are you hungering for? In your life, in your family, what are you hungering for? What are you pursuing? What matters most to you? And for some of you, maybe with integrity, you'll be able to say, Pastor, it's God that I want him to be first in everything in my life. And praise God if that's you. Some of you here, you'd say, you know, I'd like to say that. I'd like to say that. But I don't think I can. I'd like to say that. But if you ask my kids, if you ask my students, what goes on in our family, they might say some other things are a priority other than God. In fact, those of you with kids who attend Lighthouse Kids, our children's ministry, And those of you who have students who attend FUSE, our student ministry, um, over the past few weeks, we've actually been interviewing them about their home life and what that's like and what their parents are like. And um, we have some video of that, and and here's what they had to say about you and your home life. Just kidding. I'm just playing with you guys right now. (laughs) Some of your eyes got really big. You freaked out. What did they say? What did they say? Tell me. Take a breath. Just joking. But look, let's, let's make it easy. Let's make it easy. Just think about in the last week. Just think about in the last week. What were you pursuing the last week? What were you hungering for? And if you're honest, some of you would say, well, you know, I was, in summer, I was just trying to relax. I was just trying to have a good time. I work hard all week. I was just trying to relax on the weekend. Nothing wrong with that. But let's acknowledge it. Some would say, you know what, I, if I'm really looking at what I hunger for, if I really do some, some self-evaluation, I think I hunger for popularity. I think I hunger for self-worth. I think I'm, I want to be liked. I want to be valued. I think it's about image management. I think I spent a lot of time on social media this week. I think a lot of my posts were, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at my home, look at my kids, look at my family. Don't we look like a happy Christian family? Doesn't everything look great? Don't tell anybody we were cussing and yelling at each other last night. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Bruno, right? But let's let's just do image management. What are you hungering and thirsting for? And if you're like most people today, if you're really honest, you'd have to say over the last week, I was pursuing some things or many things above God. I was not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So what do we do when we realize we're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things in life? What do we do? Well, we might need to consider changing our appetite. We might need to consider changing our appetite. For example, how many of you like junk food? How many of you like candy? Raise your hand high. If you like candy, pizza, ice cream, soda, If you love it, say, I love it, Pastor. Some of you don't love it as much as I do. Say, I love it, Pastor. 
There you go. Okay, all right. Yeah, because I love it. All right? Dairy Queen. Yes. Peanut Buster Parfait, chocolate ice cream, extra peanut butter sauce. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. All right? Doritos. Pepperoni pizza. Buttered popcorn. Some of you, like, refilled at the movie. I saw that. It was crazy, okay? Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, it's my vice. Somebody amen that in the front row. I heard that over here. Good God, don't get me started on peanut butter cups. This year, though, I realized I was eating way too much junk food. Some of you guys know this. My dad passed away in November, and I went through a long winter of sadness, grief, and diagnosed depression from my doctor. Um, and over the course of about three months, I put on 30 pounds. By April, some of you may have noticed, because those of you in my small group, guys in my accountability group started talking to me. By April, I was approaching 300 pounds, the heaviest I'd ever been in my entire life. So um, I actually went to Wendy's clinic, Wendy Briggs Clinic, the weight and wellness uh, clinic for Maine Med, and I started to meet with the doctor and decided to do some major life changes. Um, they put me on a ketogenic diet where I'm only eating lean proteins and veggies, um, got rid of soda for months now, only drink water. Um, I work out 30 minutes a day, got my Apple Watch, do cardio for 30 minutes a day, religiously seven days a week, I do cardio. And today it's July 17th, and I'm down 35 pounds, right? Praise God. Wow. Right? And I feel good. I feel good. I've got more energy. And guess what? The first month was a nightmare. It was hard. It may have been one of the hardest things I've done in my entire life. I was craving junk food all the time. It was like my body was going through withdrawal for a drug because I wasn't putting sugar in my body. And then, after several weeks, things started to change. My appetite started to change. The more I fed on stuff that was better for me, the more I stopped craving the junk that wasn't good for me. Here's the thing, guys. If you start pursuing God, and if you seek God first, suddenly you're going to see the benefits of walking through life empowered by his presence and empowered by his spirit. And suddenly you're going to long more for him than for all the junk in this world which isn't good for you and will never, ever satisfy you. You're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be fulfilled and satisfied as you start to make God first in your life and in the life of your family. Now, let me tell you what works and what doesn't work when it comes to building a family and building a life centered around Jesus. We'll start with what doesn't work. If you're taking notes, there are two things that really don't work if you want to make Jesus the center of your life. The first thing is this, number one, legalism. Legalism. Legalistic Christianity never works. Well, what is legalistic Christianity, Pastor? That's kind of a churchy word. Let me give you some examples. Legalistic Christianity is when you reduce Christianity to a bunch of do's and don'ts, cans and can'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts. Kids, don't you smoke and drink and chew and don't you hang with kids that do because that's what makes a good Christian. It's all about rules and it's all about ritual. People at church are supposed to look like this and dress like this. Music at church is supposed to sound like this. The problem with that kind of thinking is this. Write this down because this, this may save some of your families. Here's the problem with this. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion every single time. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion every single time. Have you ever heard that pastor's kids can be wild ones? Have you ever heard that? Pastor's kids, they can be wild ones. 
Who's heard that? Show of hands. A lot of you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Because many pastoral families get caught up in a performance trap. We're the pastoral family. We have to act a certain way. We have to put on a mask. We have to be perfect in front of everybody. Let's put on our best image because we're at church. We're the pastor family. But if it's only rules and there's not really a personal relationship with Jesus, it leads to rebellion all the time. Legalistic Christianity never works. The second thing that doesn't work is this, if you're taking notes, number two, lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity is when you believe in God, but you live like he doesn't exist. Well, I believe in God. I'm a Christian, but in name only. There's no real passion. God's not really first. Now, how do we know if we're a lukewarm Christian? How do we know if we're a lukewarm Christian family? The answer is, I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know that. You're going to have to examine yourself. But I can tell you, for me, there are some warning signs that I look for that my family or myself is drifting to becoming lukewarm. For example, if I can't tell you the last time we prayed together as a family, that's a red flag for me. That's a warning sign for me. And I'm not talking about sitting around the kitchen table praying for dinner, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, right? Okay. I grew up in an Indian family, so it was, you know, God is good, God is nice, we thank him for the curry rice. That was like our prayer kind of growing up. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like on your knees, together, praying over somebody's life. <laughs> praying for the life of a friend. Praying for the life of a family member. Praying for someone that's hurting. Praying for someone in need. If you can't remember the last time you've done that as a family, chances are you're drifting lukewarm. I mean, I, I was... I was so encouraged by my family these last couple weeks when we were on vacation in Michigan. Um, one morning, my, my son Jace, who's 10 years old, um, he got up in the morning and he came out of, out of his room at his, at his Nana's house and just tears just streaming down his face. And his sisters were like, buddy, what's wrong? Like, what, what, did, something, did you get something, a bad dream? Something bite you in the middle of the night? Like, what's, what's going on? And he shared with them, and then they came and told us and shared with us one of his favorite YouTube stars. I guess it's a, a kid who, like, does Minecraft and videos and stuff like that on YouTube, um, passed away a couple weeks ago from cancer. And he didn't know the kid personally, but he, like, watched all of his videos and was really big in all his stuff. And he found out this kid passed away, and he was just bawling, just bawling. And right there in his Nana's living room, we just gathered as a family, and we just prayed for that young man, his family, for anything that was going on with that whole situation. We prayed for Jace's heart, for just peace, to be able to trust that God had that situation in control, that God loved that young man who was, you know, that YouTube star, and we prayed over it. A couple days later, Liberty got a call while we were, my eldest, while we were in Michigan, that one of her, her best friends from back in Maryland was going to have major surgery. They had to break her jaw, and she wasn't going to be able to speak or eat solid food for like three weeks. And she's like, Dad, this is a really major surgery. It's happening like tomorrow at like 1 o'clock. Can we pray? And so we did. The next day at like 1245, wherever we were at, we just stopped as a family, and we all took time, and we prayed for her friend Mary and we just prayed in that situation. That was such an encouragement for me. When is the last time you as a family really prayed, prayed for somebody in your life, really remembered them? Here's another one, God's word. If I'm not doing regular devotions with God, if I'm not regularly spending time in his word, that's an indicator that I'm drifting and becoming lukewarm. If I never say to my family, hey, God has blessed us so much, we're going to give to others. We're going to give of our time. We're going to give of our resources. We're going to give of our talents for the glory of God. Let's, let's make a difference. If we're never doing that, 
If we're never serving other people, but we're just trying to serve ourselves and look out for ourselves and what we want, we're becoming lukewarm. If I'm not leading my family to church and small group community, but every other event and every other thing in life takes precedence over God, for me, that's a red flag that I'm drifting lukewarm. And like legalism, lukewarm Christianity never works. Never works. In fact, Jesus had some harsh things to say about it. In Revelation 3, here's what he said. He said, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. There are going to be some surprised Christians one day when they encounter Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So what does work, Pastor? Well, there's a big difference between saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're Christians, and saying, no, Jesus isn't just a part of our life. He's the center of our life. God is first in my life. He's first in my family. Scripture doesn't say blessed are those who believe in Christ when it's convenient to them on Easter and Christmas. No. It says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we don't hunger for God, we need to change our appetites. I love the way King David explains it. He says this in Psalm 63.1. He said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I just love the imagery in those words. It isn't just, hey, God, I want you when it's convenient. Hey, hey God, I, I kind of believe in you whenever I need you. No, it's every moment of every day. God, every bit of my being and soul longs for you. See, here's what we're talking about today, and, and we're going to come back to this for the rest of this series, but here's what we're talking about. We're not called to just be a Christian family, church. We're called to be a God-first home. We're not called to just be a Christian family. We're called to be a God-first home. But just think about all the trivial things we live for in place of God. Popularity, oh, popularity, you are my God. I thirst for you. I want people to, to think I'm great. Sounds dumb, right? But people live that way. All the time people live that way. Oh, championship of the 10 and under soccer league, I live for you. You're my God. I long for you. Seems stupid. But so many people prioritize things like kids' sports over God. And then they freak out when their kids are teenagers and making horrible life choices. And that's when they run to church. And that's when they run to the student pastor. And they're like, something's wrong. Fix it. Something that took 17 years of modeling to help shape. Or, or what about this one? Oh, new car with the seat warming seats that can warm my butt in the long winter. I long for you. Sounds ridiculous. But that's the way people live, and we wonder why we feel so empty in life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what, church? Righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. So how do we do that? Well, in our last few minutes together, I want to try to get really practical, and I want to unpack that for you. I want to give you all a very simple philosophy that I have for creating a God-first culture in my home so that you guys can start to experience the blessings of God. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's my goal for the Vias home. It's this simple. If you want to jot it down, you can jot it down. I want to help my family see God as three things, loving, present, and active. Loving, present, and active. Number one, I want my family to see God as loving. Since my kids were born, my wife and I have poured these words constantly to them. God loves you. You matter to God. He created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose in this life. He cares about you. He has great plans for you. He wants you to be the greatest young women and the greatest young men of your generation. 
There is nothing you could ever possibly do to make God not love you. He loves you so much, he could not possibly love you anymore. As much as your mom and I love you, and we love you so much, we would die for you. As much as we love you, God loves you more than we do. My kids hear those words and those powerful truths all the time. Number two, I want my family to see God as present. We tell them all the time, he is present, he is available, he is approachable. I tell my kids all the time, you can go to God for anything, anywhere, anytime. Anything, anywhere, anytime. That he wants you to approach him with boldness. That he cares about everything that's going on in your life. He cares about you. No matter how big, no matter how small you think it is, he cares. And you can go to him anytime, anywhere, about anything. And number three, I want my family to see God as active. That God is always with them. They're never alone. God is moving in their life. And that doesn't mean their life is always going to be easy. Because scripture says that in this world you will have trouble. We live in a world that's broken by sin. There are going to be storms in life. And we're honest with them. You are going to face storms in this life. But God has promised you that he will walk through the storm with you. That you will never be alone. See, in our family, I want to create an environment where my kids want to have conversations about God and with God. And I love the fact that on a car ride to school in the morning, they'll say, hey, Dad, can you pray for me? Can you pray about my day today? I got a test coming up. Can you pray for my friend? I have a friend who's sick. Can you pray about my future? I got this decision to make about what classes I'm going to take or what college I'm going to choose. Why do they do that? Because as long as they've lived, they've known prayer. It's been a part of our family. Because we don't want to be a Christian family in name only. We're striving to be a God-first home. Now, you might think, well, Pastor, I don't even know where to start. Let me make it as simple as I can, and I'm just going to really quickly give you three quick ways that you can start to do this. If you're not even doing it at all, you can start today from scratch. Three quick things, and then we're going to close in prayer, okay? Three quick ways to foster hunger and thirst for God in your family. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, involve God in daily conversations. Start to involve God in your daily conversations. When you're talking about anything, start to involve God. And at first, it's going to feel weird. It'll feel a little bit strange, but it's simple. You're driving along outside, and you see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset. You know, you're on your way to school, and you say, wow, look at that sunrise. Isn't that so cool? Man, that God loves us so much. He gave us this whole world and a, and a view like that. Isn't that beautiful? And you're simply modeling that God's a part of the conversation and a part of our life. And you do this in your marriage, married people. You're going through a crisis. You're going through a conflict. You're going through a stress or a tough decision with your finances or whatever it might be. And instead of freaking out and fighting with each other about it, you stop and you say, hey, hon, I wonder what God would want us to do in this situation. Can we just stop for five minutes and pray together? And you get together with your spouse and you get on your knees and you say, let's pray about this situation. And so in your marriage, you're reminding yourself and you're reminding your spouse, we're not just a Christian couple in name only. We're going to be a God-first marriage. And we're going to put God first even in our financial thoughts and even in our conflicts. And in every decision we make, God's going to be a part of that. He comes first. With your teenagers... And parents, if you've got teenagers, I know it's not easy. I'm, I'm there with you, okay? But even in difficult conversations, how can you bring truth and love and righteousness and grace and God into the conversation? My older kids right now have tons of questions about what's going on in our country right now and politics and the Roe v. Wade ruling and things they're hearing on social media and from famous people that they admire. And as a parent, that's scary. But I don't want to run away from that discussion. I want to engage it. I want them to know why we raise them to value all human life as sacred. Because scripture teaches us 
that human life is created by God in the image of God. And so it should be nurtured and supported and cherished and loved and protected. But I also want them to know that Jesus commanded us in Scripture to above all love one another. That's why our first core value as a church is that loved people what? Love people. Loved people love people. The person in prison, no matter what they've done, their life matters because they matter to God. The child living in poverty, no matter where in the world, no matter what their race, their life matters because they matter to God. The young woman who's gone through an abortion and she's afraid to enter a church because she fears judgment and condemnation, she matters to God. So she better matter to us. And we better love her and embrace her with the arms of Jesus. As followers of Christ, I want my kids to be the embodiment of love, hope, and grace. If you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, number one, involve God in daily conversations. Number two, make church non-negotiable. Make church non-negotiable. If you're a God-first home, guess what you do? You make the priority of worship something that's non-negotiable. To take an hour a week to honor the God who sent his son Jesus to die for you and your family. Because here's the deal. Faith grows from hearing the word of God and from community. So you say to your family, we're not going to miss church. Period. Listen, if you can't make it to this church which offers a Sunday morning live service, an online live stream service, and a YouTube channel with a library of services if you ever miss that you can go back and catch up on, you're not trying. You're lazy. You can make it. And this is just ingrained in our family. In fact, again, we were on vacation a few weeks ago. Sand, water, beach, sunshine. My kids on Sunday were asking about church. (laughs) Mom and dad, are we going to church? Are we watching Pastor Nancy on the online service? They flipped open their laptops. They were watching Pastor Nancy. I was like, uh, but dad wants to go to the beach right now. <laughs> so we're on vacation. <laughs> Whenever I want to get away for the weekend, we have to check their schedules. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the sound team that week. I promised I was helping in children's ministry. No, I told Pastor Jim I'm on worship that week. They get mad when our small group doesn't meet. We're not having small group this week. Number one, involve them in daily conversation with God, about God. Number two, make church non-negotiable. Then number three, show them that God is fun. Show them, that, do you believe that your God is a fun God? That he is awesome and amazing and incredible and better than anything in the universe? Do you believe that? then why do Christians often live like God is dull and boring? Why do we we live like that? The world often thinks that by the way we act. Show them that God is fun. Make prayer fun. Make going to church fun. Make your small group fun. Make serving fun. Make reading the Bible fun. If our kids hear a worship song that they like, we download it. We play it in the car. We sing it out loud at home. We create dance moves for it. We think of fun ways to memorize a passage of scripture. We celebrate spiritual decisions they make. My son Jace, his 10, got baptized a couple months ago. We celebrated as a family. We took him to his favorite restaurant in the world, Buffalo Wild Wings. And we had a great time after church on Sunday. We gave him a daily devotion book. He carries that book everywhere with him. He took it to school for the rest of the school year in his backpack, started reading it every day. And guess what, parents? We didn't tell him he had to do that. He did it on his own. Growing up as a kid, he's watched his mom get up every morning and do her devotions. They watch us pray and turn to God for every major decision in life as a family. When we screw up, They've seen mom and dad come to them and apologize and ask them for forgiveness and admit our sins and confess and repent. See, it's not about rules. 
It's about modeling, and it's part of our family culture. Here's the thing. We don't have to tell them to be good when we're all seeking the one who's good together as a family. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, you might hear me say all this, and and you might say, yeah, 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 you're the pastor family. You don't live in the real world. I could never have that. My family's crazy. Listen to me. You have a God who is crazy in love with you and your family. And you have a God that wants you to have all of the blessings that he has in store for you if you decide to pursue him and make him first, period. But but you say you don't know how jacked up we are. You don't know how crazy our family, I mean, my marriage hanging on by a thread. I'm doing everything I can to keep my 15-year-old from going off the deep end. You have no idea. Listen to me. You can have what God wants you to have if you pursue making him first. So men, dads in the room, get off your butts and start leading your family. Say, hey, I don't know where to start. Can you make church a priority? Yes, you can. Can you start avoiding, uh, can you start including and, and making God a part of conversations? Yes, you can. Can you start confessing when you've screwed up and apologizing and setting the example? Yes, you can. Can you show it's a blessing to serve other people? Yes, you can. I, I love the way that Joshua says it in the Bible. Remember Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho? He says this in Joshua 24, 15. He says this, last verse we'll look at today. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There it is. You want a family to experience the blessing of God? You want to experience the blessing of God? Choose today who you will serve. Are you going to be a Christian home in name only? Just blending in with culture? Making everything else in life a priority over God? Or are you going to be a home that makes God first? You make the choice. But as Jesus taught, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who decide to make God first. For they will be filled. Can we pray together? Heads bowed, eyes closed, let's pray. Father, we pray that your spirit, God, would lovingly convict our hearts today. God, that we wouldn't be a legalistic people in a legalistic home, putting rules and rituals above a personal relationship with you. And God, neither do we want to be a lukewarm people, being cultural Christians in name only, but living like you don't exist. God, instead, we want to be on fire for you. God, ignite in us a passion to be God first in our lives and God first in our homes. Homes that give Jesus first place, seeking you above everything else in this world. As we pray today, there are those of you who are going to say, hey, I, I might call myself a Christian, but if I'm being real honest right now, God's not first. You might say, hey, I call myself a Christian student. We call ourselves a Christian family. But we're not really doing that. But from now on, we want to make a change. From now on, I want Jesus to be first. So today, those of you who recognize there's some room for improvement and you want to seek him first in everything, if that's you today as an act of faith, Would you just raise a hand right now? Would you say, this is something I desire for my life? This is something I want for my family? I want God first. I want to be a God first person. I want to be a God first family. If that's you, be bold. Lift it up right now. Lift those hands up. Praise God. Praise God all around the room this morning. For those of you online right now, God sees you. God sees you. He sees what you're doing. And he acknowledges it. Praise God. God, I pray that you would honor those decisions right now. 
God, I pray that we would make Jesus first in our hearts and that you would help us from this day forward, God, to live that out in our lives and to lead those around us in our families to be homes that live God-first lives, all for you, all for your glory. So we keep praying this morning. There might be some of you that this message it just seems almost distancing for you because you're like, blessed are the righteous? I don't even feel close to righteous. In fact, I'd probably describe myself as unrighteous. I'm pretty jacked up. And if that's you today, I've got some, I don't have good news. I got great news for you today. Because if you feel like you're unrighteous, guess what? I am too. Everybody in here in this room is too. Everybody watching online is too. We are all unrighteous. The good news is that we're not made righteous in the eyes of God by what we do or don't do. We're actually made righteous in faith in Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God who died for us to pay the price for our sins. By faith, our sins are forgiven so that we can be made right, made righteous before a holy God. And then empowered by his spirit, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God in our lives to be able to live righteousness, a life that's pleasing to him, a holy life. There are others of you and you call yourself a Christian, but as you look at your life, you say, you know, I don't really know him. I've never made him first. I've never made him Lord of my life. The good news for you is that today, today's your opportunity. You may have a lot of head knowledge, but today's your chance to move it six inches down into your heart and to make it legit. As Joshua said, choose this day who you're gonna serve. But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. For those of you who would say today, yes, today I wanna make that decision. I wanna call on him. I wanna put him first. I need Jesus in my life. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. It's no longer gonna be about me and what I've done. I surrender my life to him. I wanna receive what he did for me. I believe he died for me on the cross. I believe he paid for all my wrongs. I believe he paid for all my sins. I believe I'm forgiven through the blood of Jesus. If that's you today, would you be really bold right now? Would you just lift up a hand and say, I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. Today, I'm ready to make a step and become a follower of Jesus. I wanna be a Christian. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Praise God. Is there anybody else? Praise God. Another and another. Praise God. Another. Four, five. Anybody else this morning? I don't want this moment to slip by because again, this is a decision I made as a freshman in high school and I really believe this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. Is there anybody else today who says, I want Jesus? Praise God. Praise God. I see it. I see it. Again, those of you watching online, God sees it. He sees that decision that you're making right now. And for those of us here today, all of us, can we pray for these brothers and sisters, students who just lifted a hand, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we surrender our hearts completely to you. Jesus, save us from our sins. Make us new. Be the center of our lives, our Savior, our Lord, Today, I move my faith off of myself and what I've done. And I move my faith onto my Savior, Jesus, and what he's done for me. I believe Jesus died for me. He paid the price for all of my sins, all of my wrongs. He's my Lord and Savior. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today so I can serve you for the rest of my life so I can have victory over sin, so I can be more and more and more like Jesus every day of my life. Thank you for new life. Thank you for making me a new creation today. My life is no longer just my own. I give it to you, God. You can have first place. I give it to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate what God is doing?
Praise God. If you made a decision today, whether you're online or here in service, please don't keep that a secret. We want to know their response cards um, in, in the pews. If you're a new visitor, you can fill that out. You can let us know if you're a guest here today. You can let us know if you made a decision today. You can email the church if you're watching online and let us know. We want to celebrate. We want to pray with you. We want to help you take some next steps, whether that might be baptism or getting connected in a group. Um, we love you guys. This is just the beginning. For those of you who made that decision, it's just the beginning of an incredible, incredible adventure that God has for you throughout this life and into eternity. And we want to celebrate that. For the rest of us today, let's stand together and let's just sing, continue to celebrate what God is doing. As always, the altars are open. If you need to come forward, if you need to pray, you need to get some things right with God, you're welcome to always do that. But let's sing and celebrate together.
Yeah. 